Are you ready to praise God in this new year that we have? Let's stand on our feet and glorify the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords in this wonderful 2024 that we're in. Let's start off the year right and let's praise the King. in the valley praise on the mountain Lord I praise when I'm sure and praise when I'm doubting I praise when I'm outnumbered I praise when I'm surrounded Just praise in the water my enemies drowning a sound and my praise is the shout that brings Jericho Sovereign, praise cause you reign, praise cause you rose and defeated the grave. I'll praise cause you're faithful, I'll praise cause you're true, I'll praise cause there's nobody greater than you. I'll praise cause you're sovereign, I'll praise cause you reign, I'll praise cause you rose and defeated the grave. I'll praise cause you're faithful, I'll praise cause you're true, I'll praise cause there's nobody.
God help us now gives away to him who is our peace his final breath upon the cross is now alive in me the fear that held us now gives way to him who is our peace his final breath upon the cross is now alive in me your name and your name Victory. 
sitting at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. What an amazing God, what an amazing King, King Jesus, the conqueror of the heavens, conqueror of the earth, conqueror of beneath the earth. Death, hell, and the grave was no match for him. Death, hell, and the grave was no match for the King of kings and the Lord of lords, our Savior, the name above every name, Jesus. There was a moment when the lights went out When death had claimed its victory The king of love had given up his life The darkest day in history There on a cross they made for sinners For every curse His blood atoned One final breath And it was finished But not the end We could have known For the earth began to shake and the veil was torn What sacrifice was made As the heavens roared All hail King Jesus All hail the Lord 
was a moment when the sky lit up A flash of light breaking through
began to sing that song at the very beginning all we were singing was Yeshua and as we began to sing that I saw I know what the Holy Spirit was showing me I'm, those of you who know me I don't take these things lightly but I saw myself if I could put it coming down off of a high place into a valley towards a valley and I thought, as we were singing Yeshua, Yeshua, I, I realized it was as if I had been on a mountaintop with the Lord, and now I was walking into the valley. You know, when we think of a valley, we think of danger, we think of difficulty, we think of trials, we think of all those kinds of things, but that was not it. It was like I'm, we were, I was walking down to, into this valley, and I saw the lights of that of that city that city in the valley there and I knew that as we were singing Yeshua and all of a sudden brother Glenn I heard you on those drums back there and it was just like boop, 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 boop. and all of a sudden I looked to the right and I looked to the left and I was not alone there was I was in lockstep with an army and they we were all descending downward and and it was like with confidence and such assurance and I heard those drums just just like you would hear like 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 an army going forth and and the Holy Spirit began to speak to me and he said he said my church has been hiding in a high place for too long it wants to stay on the mountaintop it, because that's where my presence is but I've called you to step out and go down into the valleys I've called you to go down into where the places where the people are for you are to take the light of my glory for it rests upon you and the glory of my presence rests upon you and the and the authority of my word is within you and you are to take the land it's for too long you have sat back waiting for it to come to you and I say that this is the year that you are to go forth and take the land for I am Yeshua Hamashiach the Lord God Almighty go forth in my name go forth with confidence go forth with joy 
Go forth with anticipation. Go forth with expectation. And watch and see how God will deliver into your hands that which seemed unredeemable. That which seemed impossible. God said, I am about to do a work you have never seen before. And I will do it by your hands through you. For it will not be you that is doing it. It will be the Spirit of the Lord which is upon you and working in you even this day. So take hope and take heart that you understand what I am about to do. And do not allow the enemy to say, I wish that could be me. I wish that could be me. Do not allow him to steal from you that which I have designated for you in this hour and in this time, says the Lord. Come on. I want you to see you're in lockstep with your brothers and sisters. We're going into the valley. We're going into the place that's dying, that needs to know the name of the Lord Jesus Christ.
Father, we praise you. That God, you've already ordained and decreed the purpose of your kingdom in the coming days. And Father, as long as we have breath in our lungs, then God, we say unto you, be it unto us according to your will. That Father, that we would come forth and fulfill the purpose and the plan that you have set forth in the coming days. For every day that we have breath means that there is a purpose in our being, our purpose in our living, a purpose that we are alive in that day. And there's a mission that you have designated for each and every one. And that the glory would go and be yours, all yours, all yours, Lord Jesus. So, Father, we just pray, let your kingdom come and your will be done in this house today and in these houses of clay in this place. Let the glory go all to you. Let the Holy Spirit be free to move as he determines. And we say, God, speak to our hearts and change our lives. For your name's sake, we pray. Amen and amen and amen. Why don't you just turn to two or three people and just say, so be it. Praise the Lord. Good to see you this morning. Those of you that are here this morning, we have a number of folks that are still traveling and some who are out sick. And uh, we just thank God for his healing touch and his strength that it is found in his word. And I, I tell mamas and daddies that if you've got sick children at home, um, I had someone not long ago say, well, I need to bring my sick kids to church so you can pray for them. No, you need to keep stay home with your sick children and honor the other parents and you lay hands on them and pray for them there. I don't mean to be rude, but come on now. I'm just telling it like it is. Because um, then parents come and go, well, I heard there was a sick baby and, then, and the mama came and, you know, I have to deal with that. So anyway... I'm glad you're here this morning. Are you glad you're here this morning? Praise the Lord. Well, I've got a couple of announcements. Make sure the, the, the audio for the computer is on. I have a, a video that I need to show in just a moment. Um, last week, we uh, made an announcement uh, that um, the boys and girls last year set a goal of $6,000 to raise for... Um, BGMC for Project Rescue, and at that last Sunday, 
they, uh, the end, last Sunday of the year, we were at 5,500, and we were excited about that. And, uh, but I have an announcement to make. Uh, the kids are being told this upstairs this morning, so I couldn't put it up on the slideshow ahead of time. And uh, go, go down to the black slide. There you go, brother. But as of last Sunday, we had $6,275 come in for Project Rescue. $500 came from someone who was watching online out of state. And see, I'm telling you, people say, oh, the, the Internet's evil. Well, it, we turned it around for good. I mean, you know, and um, we broadcast our services, and we're not a big church, but I can go online, and I can see where people are watching from, and every week there's people in Africa, Asia, Europe, all over the United States, um, even Canada lately. Um, uh, that are watching. I don't know who these people are. I just can tell you the technology shows us where people are watching from. And so we just praise God for that. And um, so we have a little thank you from the people of Project Rescue that we want to play for you. Hey, Louisiana kids. We are John and Jennifer Baird with Project Rescue. And we are excited because there is something special that happens when kids like you give Project Rescue works in 13 different countries, and a huge part of what we do is there are children in very difficult circumstances. They need food, sometimes they need shelter, sometimes they need an education because schooling's not offered to them. And Project Rescue seeks to help thousands and thousands of children, just like yourself, get an education, have a good place to live, and hear about a God that loves them. And we want to say great job, Louisiana kids. You guys showed up, you were so generous, and your generosity and your giving matters so much. On behalf of so many children around the world that depend on Project Rescue, we want to say on behalf of them, thank you. Thank you for getting involved, stepping up, and making a huge difference. We are so grateful. Thank you. Amen. Praise, praise the Lord. I'm telling you, our young, our, those children work hard all year long. Raise, trying to raise funds in so many different ways for a project that they pick up and so to, to go over that goal uh, we know it was because of your giving and help in that area and we thank you so much I guarantee you that those kids when they find out this morning they're going to be shouting upstairs so if you hear a noise up there don't worry there's not an animal loose up there I guarantee you and um but anyway, uh, another quick announcement, and that is uh, there is, a pro there is a, a thing coming on that's called Seek and Save New Orleans. It is one of five cities that has been targeted by our national offices, and it will be taking place the end of February, beginning of March. And there is an evangelism training thing that is going on. Now, I've put this up, and of course it says up there that it's, it's in... Uh, I think it's in Metairie or Gretna or wherever. It's in Gretna. But actually, they just announced that that training will be next Saturday from 9 to 12, and they're going to broadcast it online. So Pastor Tracy, is, who is taking her lit crew down there for the 
for the uh, um, training is actually going to be right here at the church next Saturday, and they will be broadcasting live the, uh, the training for that, uh, that event. And so any of you who are interested, I know we have an evangelism class here, and it's awesome, but it, I mean, you know, we can learn different things from different people, right? And so uh, uh, they're asking anyone who's going to be a part of that process. Now, um, there is a registration thing, and there is a link um, that we can we can put up on our website, or we can email it to you, or text it to you, or you can go back to the QR code right there and get a photo of it, and it will take you to a place to register, and. Um, it's it's not just going street evangelism. There's going to be uh, pro all kinds of projects, and I believe it's Tuesday through Saturday, um, and of that whole week. And I said, well, I know a lot of people can't go for a whole week, but you may be able to go for one day. And they have people who will be doing construction. They have people who will be doing cleanup. There'll be people who would be doing street festivals, five different street festivals going on in the New Orleans area. Um, there's going to be outreach and ministry. And then it's going to end with everybody coming together for a big celebration service kind of outdoor service kind of thing in New Orleans. So we're just blessed that that people saw the need in New Orleans uh, for the word of the Lord to be out and, and, and the hands of Christ to be shared with so many people. And so we just want to make you aware of this. If, you're, if you want to be a part of it, there's information online, but you need to register. Again, you can get a picture of that QR code and you can register. It'll take you to the link. And, uh, but they, they are going to have this training next week. And even if you can't go to New Orleans, um, hey, you're welcome to come. It doesn't cost anything to come to the training, and we just want that to make that available to you. And then we thank you for your faithfulness and tithes and offerings. If you're new here, we don't pass a bucket or a bag or anything like that. We have boxes that are on the back wall. There are envelopes there in front of you or at the boxes. We have a text to give feature. The number's up on the screen. We have an app. We have a website that you can use. And it's not just for tithes and offerings. Like I said, we had someone go, go online last week and give to the BGMC goal using um, the website. And so they were able to do that. Um, we thank you for that. Now, the first Sunday of every month, we have an emphasis on missions. We want you to know of some of the mission projects we do. And Justin, can you find the slide with Donna Engvall? I think it's number 14 that's in that original slideshow. Um, last January, uh, we, we started the year off focusing with Unashamed Love Ministries down in New Orleans, again in New Orleans. You know, a lot of people think of missions, they think somewhere across the world. But you know what? We have to realize the missions is right in our own backyard. And New Orleans is a tremendous mission site. And uh, Donna Engvall has a ministry there to the girls that walk the streets. And she, she and her team are constantly out on the streets ministering to the girls who are being trafficked, those who are um, in, in, in really bad situations. And even lately, I remember last year, we had her up here and she's, there are some guys that she's ministering to that are working the streets and, um, and, and, and trafficking themselves out there or being trafficked. And so 
unashamed love. They go out and show the love of Christ to these people. And, and, um, and, and we're proud to support this ministry. And so uh, usually the first of the month we have mission envelopes, special envelopes, and we have those there. But you can use a regular offering envelope that's there. And you can just mark it for, for missions. And, and, uh, and, and that every penny for missions goes to missions, okay? And uh, you can do it on the, on the app. It, and there's a drop-down window. Um, and you can put missions, and if it's a specific missionary uh, or missions thing that we cover and you want it to be designated for that, you can text it in the notes, and it, that's who it goes to. But we want to make you aware of who we support, um, what projects we support, and things like that during the year because we believe that missions is, an, is the heart of God. Three-fourths of God is go. Two, right? Two-thirds of it is. And so he wants us to go into all the world. And so we, we have mission projects right here at, at home, in the States, and around the world that we support. And so can we just take a moment to pray for our missionaries and all those who are, who are around the world who are called? We may not support, but just missionaries in general, that God would just bring them a, an abundance of grace this year and favor, that God's favor would be with them. Lord, we just thank you and praise you for those who answer the call to missions, Lord God, to the difficult places, to the places that are often overlooked and that no one else sees. And we thank you, Father, that we have the privilege of coming alongside them and helping in the area of support, Lord God. They cannot do what they're called to do without funds. And God, you give to us that we might give not only the required tithe that belongs to the Lord, <laughs> but also that which is, goes above and beyond. And so we just pray for our missionaries, that the favor of God would rest on them, that God, that they would not get tired and burdened down, but they would be refreshed and renewed with new vision, with a new passion for the field in which you've called them, Lord. And we thank you for doors that would be opened up that are not even open to them at this time, that the expansion of your kingdom would go forth in this day and in this hour. We praise you for it and ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> Amen, brother. Can you put me back down there? <laughs> Hallelujah. Well... It's a new year. <laughs> How many of you have recovered from your new year celebrations? <laughs> yeah, right, I know. I want to read from Second Chronicles 16 and 9. Usually I read a whole bunch of scripture at the beginning. Um, I want to just focus on this for, as our launching point for today. For the eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the whole earth that he may strongly support those whose hearts are completely his. <clears throat> and I want to speak to you this morning about making a difference. I can't think of a better time than at the beginning of a new year to, to decide, to purpose, to focus on what changes, or if there are any changes, 
or what needs or what God is saying to us or to you concerning this new year. See, God is on a mission. I said, God is on a mission. <laughs> the Bible says he is looking for those whose hearts are fully his. He's not looking for the half-hearted. He's not those who are enamored with the idea of God or doing something for God. He is on the mission of looking for those who are hearts are fully his. The Bible says each day, every day, the eyes of the Lord go to and fro. Through. Have you ever really thought about that? <laughs> that God is on the constant lookout. He's looking not at the exterior, but he's looking at the heart. He's looking on the inside. He's not looking necessarily for degrees, education, or status. He's not paying attention to race or gender. He's looking throughout the earth with a special mission that he may strongly, say strongly, not weakly support, not just kind of be there and encourage, but strongly support those whose hearts are completely his. Why? To give grace and power, to give ability to overcome obstacles, to complete his agenda in a pivotal time of history through ordinary people like you and me. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, he's talking to you. He's talking to you. He is. I am talking to you. <coughs> the condition, though, is whose hearts are completely, say completely, completely his. Now, the word, the Hebrew word there for hearts is the, means mind, will, soul, and understanding. In other words, whose mind is completely the Lord's, whose will is completely the Lord's. I mentioned last week that, uh, that I had woke up singing a, a, a song from years ago that was taken from the scriptures that, that the psalmist wrote. He says, I delight to do your will, O Lord. I delight to do your will. And, and to walk with you is not grievous unto me, for I delight to do your will. In other words, our will becomes his will. Our mind, we begin to think in the way that he begins to think. So let me ask you a question. What would your life, not your spouse, what would, not your children, not your neighbor, what would your life look like if over the next five years, God begins to strongly support you? Because see, most people would be honest to say, my heart is divided. Or my, there's a part of me I've yet to surrender. What would your life look like? You know, five years is a long time in nowadays because things change so much. What would happen in this next year? What would your life look like in this next year if God begins to strongly support you? What would grip your heart? What would you do knowing that God is behind you? What would you do? 
You say, but how can I know? His word says that he looks to and fro throughout the earth to see whose heart is completely his, that he might strongly support them. What would your schedule look like? What would happen in you? What would happen through you? What would happen to those around you? See, if God's word is true, it is. I'm waiting for someone to go, it is. If God's word is true and he's searching daily for those who, to support those whose heart is his, then if we are not where we should be at this stage in our life, we, we miss out on what God is wanting to do. See, it's not that God can't do it. It's not that God won't do it. He's looking for someone whose heart is completely his that he can show himself strong on their behalf. So if my heart is insensitive to the Holy Spirit, if my heart has become lukewarm to his touch, if my conscience has become dull to his presence, then I miss out on the greatest opportunity of my life, and that is to partner with God. I've heard people talk about, man, there was a time I had an opportunity, the greatest deal of my lifetime, and I missed it. I want to tell you that the greatest deal of anyone's lifetime is to partner with what God is doing. So many times Christians and churches do this. They come up with a plan, and then they say, let's pray and ask God to bless it. Can I tell you that you know how to walk in the blessing of God? Find out what God is doing, get in on it, and he's already blessed it. I, I said it last week. I've said it several times before, but I'm going to remind you that the opportunity of a lifetime is only valid during the lifetime of that opportunity. I mentioned uh, last week, or I think it was last week or the week before, to, I think it was Naomi. I was, it was last week or the week before I was telling you about that coupon. Uh, several years ago, I was pastoring in North Louisiana outside West Monroe in a country church out there. And uh, I had a, a brother, uh, come, a brother Gary Sapp, in fact, come minister. He was the district youth director at the time. And I said, and he mentioned in the service that he was taking a trip and taking some pastors to Vietnam. And, and, uh, and, and, and it was an expensive trip, and, and it was, back then is different than now. We actually support Amanda Thompson, who's in Vietnam, and, and is able to openly practice and, and share Christ and everything. Back when, back when we were going in the 90s, if you were caught with the Bible, or if you were caught saying Jesus, Christian, church, anything like that, you'd go to prison. And, and he happened to mention that he was taking a handful of pastors over there and a couple of youth pastors. And my wife and I were sitting on the front pew of a church and she turned to me and inside I was already going, I want to go, I want to go. And then he told how much it costs. The airfare was like 2,800 bucks alone. And my wife goes, you need to go on that. And I'm like, yeah, right. And then and right near the end of the service, I remembered that, that, uh, 
Now, you have to remember this is in the 90s, and, and personal computers were still a, a novel kind of thing. And, and Microsoft had come out with a, a mouse for the PC that didn't use the little roller on the bottom. It used a laser light, you know? And so that was new stuff back then, right? And, and, uh, and so I had bought a couple of them, and inside was a little coupon that said, free airfare anywhere in the world on Delta Airlines. And I, my wife said, I really think you should go on that trip. I said, baby, there's no way I can afford $2,800 plus everything else that it would cost to go. And then I, I asked Brother Gary at the end of service, I said, you want to go to lunch? Yeah, man, let's go to lunch. Let's have fellowship. On the way, I told, her, I told my wife about the, this coupon thing. I said, I think I still got one of those. I wonder if it would work. Long story short, it had an expiration date but the expiration date was two months away. So I asked Brother Gary, I said, tell me you're flying Delta. Now, we lived in West Monroe. You, if you don't know this, Delta Airlines started in Monroe. It was a crop dusting company. And so up until the chairman, who the, the old man died, they still had jets flying into Monroe nine times a day. And he said, no, we're flying Delta Airlines. And so I said, I got this coupon thing that says free ticket anywhere in the world. And, and he said, how many of them you got? I said, I had about five. I don't know if I have it. He said, go look and see. I only had one left. I think it was only one left. And, but it was on certain flight that you had to go. You know, they have different class flights, you know, and this, that. And he goes, well, the one we're going on costs 2800 and something dollars. The ticket you need costs 2900 I said, I pay the difference. And so because the coupon had not expired yet, I mean, I, we filled it out. We, tried, we went online, you know, went to redeem it, and I just held my breath. And we get word back that it was accepted. And so God provided a trip, round trip, to Thailand, to Vietnam, and then back again for a little over 100 bucks. Now, my point is this that that little coupon thing was only good for a period of time. If it had been two months later and he had come to my church and I had they would have said, it's expired. The window or the door is closed. And so I'm just telling you that because, because this is the way it is. Every day that goes by, you can't get that back. There is no Groundhog Day. Come on now. I mean, there's a Groundhog Day, but not like the movie Groundhog, where you get to do the same day over and over and over and over and over and over again, right, until you get it right. No. The opportunity of a lifetime is only valid during the, the, the oper that window, that window. And God is saying to us that this is the time. This is your time. I said it's your time. Somebody needs to get this. I'm just telling you, it's your time. Quit looking at the failures of the past. This is a new day. This is a new opportunity. And God is saying that he's looking for someone whose heart is completely his, that he might show forth himself strong on their behalf. In Nehemiah chapter 1, 
verses 1 through 4. It says, In the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hannah and I, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. And they said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province, are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. And when I heard these things, Nehemiah says, when I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Now, Nehemiah's account begins in the 20th year of Artaxerxes, the king of the Persians. And his employment was one of, a, one of the long-term byproducts of God's punishment on Israel and Judah for worshiping idols. If you're not familiar with it, because they were disobedient, they were, they were captured and they were sent into exile. And, and eventually, after 70 years, uh, the king that was then gave relief to some of the Jew, any of the Jews that wanted to go back to Jerusalem, and some went, but the majority of them had already become integrated over 70 years. Imagine, if you've been there 70 years, you've made a life for yourself in some way, form, or fashion. And so 70 years had passed since the, the beginning of the rebuilding of the temple back in Jerusalem, and and, and so we have a story here of Nehemiah who has a high place in the king's palace. He's got a prestigious position. He's the cupbearer to the king. In other words, because cupbearers were often a king's closest confidant. And Nehemiah, because of who he was and because he was in the presence of the king who ruled over the land, he, he got the best clothes. You, obviously, the king doesn't want a servant that's standing around in rags, right? And, and he's, he's getting to ride with the, with the king and, and wherever he goes. He's, he's basically got a life of comfort. He probably lives somewhere in the palace. And he must have been at times uh, tempted to forget about his roots and adopt the Persian lifestyle. And yet hundreds of miles away, events were unfolding that were about to complicate Nehemiah's life. I have studied his life for years and years, and every time I look at it, I see something new that's there. And the word comes to him. He, he, he just inquires of some Jewish brothers who have recently been to Jerusalem. He says, how are things back home? It's been 70 years. How are things back home? And, and he tells them that the people that are there are disgraced, they're discouraged, the walls of the city lay in ruins, <clears throat> the gates were charred and useless against keeping out the enemies, marauders, enemies regular, regularly attacked the people, the people were disheartened, and God's agenda seemed to have been permanently thwarted. I just want to ask this morning, because I was 
prompted yesterday as I was going back over these things and praying over each part. Holy Spirit said, how many, ask how many feel like that at one time they had a vision, they had an idea, they had a prompting that they were to do something for God, but they feel like that it's been thwarted. Let me see your hands. Hold them up high. Look around. You're not alone. You can put your hand back down. And although God had promised that he would rebuild and regather his people, almost 150 years had passed since the Babylonians had ransacked Jerusalem. And when Nehemiah heard this word, his heart was broken. We'll go back to verse 4. It says, when I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Nehemiah's condition of the heart is though he loved God, he had a dislocated heart. And now you're sitting there going, what does that mean? You can't dislocate your heart. You can dislocate some bones, but how you can... I'm saying, Nehemiah when he heard these words, was, was filled with such grief that he fasted and mourned and prayed and sought the Lord because his heart was dislocated. And I want to say to you that I believe that this is a prerequisite. In other words, this is required up front for being the kind of person that God is going to strongly show his support for. Now, if you've never, how many of you have ever dislocated a bone in your body? Anybody? Look, look, oh, a bunch of you. Well, in case you don't know what that looks like, there's, there's a picture of a shoulder on the left side that's dislocated and the right-hand side after it's been reduced. In other words, after it's been put back into place and, and before healing has time to completely heal everything. But that, that's a picture of it right there. We know that a joint is where two or more bones come together. And a sudden impact to the joint can cause the bones that were once located in a special way to become dislocated. In other words, they're not connected anymore, okay? And it means the bones are no longer in their normal position. And the joint capsule and the ligaments tear where the joint becomes dislocated. And oftentimes there may be some nerve damage that's done. And a dislocated joint may be visibly out of place, discolored or misshapen. It may be limited in movement. It may be swollen or bruised. Intensely painful, yes, especially if you try and move that joint that is dislocated. A little over 30 years ago, I was diagnosed with a medical condition that caused the blood in my right hip to quit flowing to the bone. It's called avascular necrosis of the femoral head. On the left-hand side, your left-hand side. Your left-hand side there, you'll see that is the femoral head of the hip bone that is, that is healthy. It's in the socket the way it is. But if you'll notice the one on the right side, see all the white that is up 
Oh, I went to the wrong one. There we go. Up right up in here, that, that is the bone beginning to deteriorate because the bone cannot live without blood flow. And the Bible says that life is in the blood. And, and so the bone, my hip bone, began to die. I was 30, 30, almost 38 years old when I was diagnosed. And over a period of 20 months, that bone continued to deteriorate. Because blood was not flowing to it, that bone began to dry out. And, and basically, the doctor explained, he says, break off into small pieces or t just turn to powder. He said, we don't know how far it will go. We have to wait to see before we can do anything to try. There was no reversing it. It's like when a tree's dead, you're not going to make it come back alive again. You know, just dig it up, plant another tree. And, um, but I wasn't ready to be put down and dug up or anything like that, you know. But even to the very end, outwardly, um, I looked normal, okay? Except towards the very end, every time I would try and walk, that thing would pop. And so I just learned to accommodate it. I changed the way I walked so that it wasn't so obvious, right? And um, until eventually that whole femur, the, the top of that just disintegrated. And I won't go into that story, but I know what a front end of a grill of an Ford F-150 pickup looks like in the parking lot of Walmart because it just about ran me over. Because when that thing disintegrated, I, it, it was no longer connected to my body, and I went down. Uh, and it required a total hip replacement. And, and so, like I said, during that time, outwardly, I made modifications to be able to try and live my life. But I lived with the pain on the inside until it reached a, quote, breaking point, pardon the pun. And it became dislocated from the body. Nehemiah was experiencing a dislocated heart. His work and his body was in Persia. But his heart, upon the news, was in Jerusalem. His heart was God's agenda. His heart was with his people in, in, in Jerusalem who were hurting and they were needed. And you're saying, well, what's this all about? Because God is looking daily for those that he may strongly support. But he's looking for those who have a dislocated heart. You say, well, what does that mean? To me, it simply means it is a God-given concern that propels us out of our comfort zone. Okay? That's, that, it's just simple. I, I, just, I don't want to be complicated. It's just a God-given burden or concern that grabs our attention that no longer allows me to maintain the status quo. That no longer just stay, well, that's somebody else's problem. That's somebody else. Let somebody else do it, whatever. It's, it's just like a dislocated shoulder 
will propel you to go see a doctor or someone who can put it back in place and realign it. Why? Because the pain is not going to be relieved until you address the situation. A dislocated heart will push you out of your comfort zone. Why? Because that pain, that discomfort that God is revealing to you is not going to be relieved any other way. I want to just tell you that personally, my wife and I, we were married at 19 years old and we almost immediately were thrust into full-time ministry on college campuses all across the United States. And, and, and um, I, I, you know, ministry is not what a lot of people think it is. Yeah. I had a lady one time say, I wish I had a job like yours where I could just sit around and read my Bible and pray and not have any problems. I said, what world do you belong on? She looked at me like, what do you mean? I said, what is the church made up of? She said, people. I said, where are all your problems coming from? She said, people. An epiphany. She looked at me for a few minutes and then went, oh. And I'm like, God so loved the world because people, he loves people. And people are hurting. And hurt people hurt people. And at one point early in our marriage, my wife and I got burned. We got hurt. And I said, I'm going back into the business world. I went back into the restaurant business that I knew. And I said, God, I will give, I'll make money and I will give it to missions and I will let the preachers and the missionaries, let them go. I'm not going. I did that for a few years. Thank God for a, a loving pastor who saw where I was supposed to be and put me in a very uncomfortable position. Until my heart became dislocated. And I said, God, I'm so tired of being miserable. He said, because you're not where you're supposed to be. And I surrendered to that call. Somebody would say, well, has it been all great since then? Oh, no. Peaches and cream, sometimes the cream gets curdled. And the peaches turn brown. But being where God wants you, there's no price you can put on that. A dislocated heart a passionate concern for God's people and God's agenda supersedes our own personal comfort and prosperity. See, we've, we want to make God into something that he isn't. If you're going to sing our God reigns supreme, that means he has 
total and absolute say about the thing that he's called you to. You say, well, I'm not a preacher. I didn't say you were, but you're called. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, he has a place and he has a purpose for you. And let me tell you what God will do. He will change your heart in such a way that you begin caring about things elsewhere when circumstances dictate that you don't have to. He said, what, 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 is it, what does it look like? The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 9, he grieved over the fact that his Israelite brethren did not know Christ. And in Romans 9, he says, I speak the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience confirms it in the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. People think, well, no, you're a Christian. You should be rejoicing all the time and be thrilled and singing songs. But he's under the touch of God for his brethren in the Lord. And verse 3 says, for I, let me go back. He says, he says for I wish that I myself were cursed and cut off for Christ for the sake of my brothers, those of my own race, the people of Israel. In other words, he's saying, I wish that I could exchange my place so that all of them would be saved. It's the kind of heart that was modeled by our Lord Jesus Christ in Philippians 2, verse 6 and 7. He who be, being in the very nature of God did not consider him equality with God something to be grasped, but made of himself nothing, taking on himself the very nature of a servant and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. <clears throat> it is... It is the kind of heart we see modeled by people who are moved by a specific area of need that deeply touches their heart. In other words, we're not looking for superstars. God's not looking for superstars or those that, whose names are in limelight or whatever. He's just looking to and fro throughout the earth, trying to find someone who will give their heart totally to him. And he said, now I will show myself strong on your behalf. See, some of you are probably thinking, well, that means I've got to quit my job and become a missionary or some other thing. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about stepping outside your comfort zone oftentimes begins with something very small. Look, God knows us better than we know ourselves. And he's not going to demand of us something that is so far out there, so far beyond anything. If, if you're afraid to take this step, he's not going to tell me to get up here and jump to that front row. He's going to help me get down to this step. And then he's going to help me get down to this step and take the next step and the next step. God is going to meet us where we are. 
And he's going to deal with us as, as we grow and mature. That's what he's, I'm not talking about doing great things. We, I hear people all the time, God, I want to do great things for you. How about just do something? You know, people say, well, I don't want to do that. There ain't nothing. Well, do nothing. I mean, do something. You're not doing anything. Do something for God. And you say, well, wait a minute. Last week you said, don't just do something. Wait. But I'm talking about when God puts something on your heart. Don't look at it as insignificant and go, that's not really, that's not going to make any difference. God called on that. And I, he said, there's a man named Saul down in Damascus. I want you to go lay your hands on him. And he... He, he says, Lord, in case you don't know, that man's killing your followers. And his reputation is anyone, he calls himself a belief, a Christian, he's killing them. And God says, I know that. <laughs> then, Lord, you must have another Saul in mind. <laughs> right? He says, no, he says, but what I have planned for that man is this, 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 and this. And even then, he couldn't have known what the extent of that was. He said, but I need someone who's willing to go to him and say, I am here because the Lord Jesus sent me here and to lay hands on him, and I will open his eyes and restore his sight. That's all he asked him to do, and look what came forth from it man who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. You do not know what that small thing that God has laid on your heart will do. <clears throat> I'm, I'm about to wrap this up, so I, let me quickly tell you this. I've, I've mentioned this once or twice over the years I've been here, but Many years ago when I was at that church outside West Monroe, out in the country, I had some, a, a brother in the Lord and his wife that came to visit. And, and um, it was a cool, crisp fall afternoon in the country, brother. And, I'm, and, and uh, we sat out on the curb and there was one like security light in the parking lot that lit up the darkness around us. And it was... Far enough out, and, and the night was so crystal clear that you could see like millions of stars in the Milky Way. Millions. I mean, you could just see it's like a carpet through the sky. And, and he and I sat out on the curb of that parking lot, and, and we, we, were, we were talking war stories. You know what I mean by that? The, the things of the past that God has done, the things that God has done. You remember the time when God did this? And, oh, let me tell you about when God did this. And, you know, we're good at doing those, swapping those kinds of stories. And uh, after about an hour, it got really quiet. And I remember thinking to myself, God, I don't know that I have the faith enough to believe you, to trust you, to do those things again. It was an innocent night of telling stories about the goodness of God. But I suddenly became aware that I had been 
my heart had turned or I'd grown not as passionate and that I didn't know if I could trust God in the way that I had in the past. And I told my friend this. And he and his wife got up and they left. We hugged each other. And my wife went inside the house. She says, cold out here. You coming in? And I said, I'm, I'll be in in a minute. And I went back and sat on that curb. And I looked up into the night sky. And it was beautiful. But I remember literally crying. Tears streaming down my face. And crying out to God. Fearful that my best days in him were behind me. And I prayed this simple but dangerous little prayer. I told you last week, I have prayed my whole Christian life. I don't know why, but God's always put it on my heart. God, don't let me ever get comfortable. And he'll, I'm just telling you, if you pray that, he'll hold you to it. But I prayed that night. I said, God, I want to have that kind of faith again. And I just cried. Little did I know how well God remembers those kinds of prayers. Several years went by. But 19 years ago, last July, this past July in 2023, 19 years ago, God reminded me of that prayer while I was pastoring a wonderful church in Eunice, Louisiana, because God dislocated my heart for a failing church in Lafayette. And I don't have time to go through all of that but we were at a high of things that were going on over there. It was so comfortable, but we were gaining ground. We were pushing. We were, God was just doing. But I became involved with this church in its prior state. It was about to be bankrupt and close the door. Moral failure and the leadership, all kinds of things. And I was... My position required that I help them get through that process. And once five months went by and we got them through the process, then God said, now it's time for you to go over to that church and be pastor. I said, no, oh, no, no, no. I done did my duty, Lord, no, 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 no. I said, I'm turning 50, Lord, next week. I'm too old for this. And the Holy Spirit reminded me of that prayer sitting on the curb. God, give me faith to do, to trust you again. Let me just say this. God never does something great through us until he does something significant in us. And even the largest task for God starts with the first step. I am praying 
for an epidemic of dislocated hearts in God's church. Because everywhere we look, we can see what God does in and through people. Every great work that's ever been done has been done through someone who took a small step. This next year, one of my goals is to raise funds for Convoy of Hope. I don't have time to go into that whole story, but those of us in South Louisiana, when we've had floods and tornadoes and hurricanes, we've seen the convoy trucks, those 18-wheelers, roll into Lafayette and surrounding area and south of here, full of food and supplies and medical, everything that you can imagine. And all of it started by a man, when he was a little boy, he was a preacher's kid. On the way home from a meeting, his parents were in a car accident where they were hit head on by a drunk. And the father was killed immediately. The mother was severely injured for months and months of months of recovery. And when you're the pastor and live in the little parsonage, and now all of a sudden your daddy's not the pastor anymore, you don't have a place to live. But the people of that little church where they belong, where his dad pastored, they would come constantly, and they would bring food, and they would bring supplies, and they would bring things to the, to the children and then to the mother as she regained her strength. And they, they gave their hand, they gave of what they had for, to meet that need. And it was birthed in the heart of Hal Donaldson from that event, that tragedy, to build something like Convoy of Hope that now around the world, the instant the tragedies happen, there's trucks rolling, there's ships rolling in, there's billions and billions and billions of dollars worth of donations from corporate entities that are just giving that stuff because somebody took a step and said, we need, we need to take care of this family. And now a world enterprise set up for the glory of God because when they come in and they hand out a bag of groceries, they say, we do this in the name of Jesus Christ. All birth through that one person who said, we need to help those kids. Most of the cutting edge ministries in the world today are the direct result of someone's dislocated heart. I want to read it again, 2 Chronicles 16 and 9. For the eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the whole earth, that he may strongly support those whose hearts are completely his. God is looking for people today that are living in the midst of dark and perverse generation who are willing to take hold of his agenda, to believe what he says is true, and be willing to say so with their mouth and their lives. 
And those that accept that call, those who are hearing that call, those that respond to this challenge is whom he will come and show himself mighty. Those who are willing to say, I'll take that first step. I'll take that small step. What, God, what is it you want me to do? What's that small thing? What seems to be that insignificant thing that you've impressed on my heart that you want me to do? What small step can I do that, God, you can cultivate your purpose in my life? You never know what God is going to call you to do with a dislocated heart. But I'm telling you, that's where it begins. And I was reminded of Isaiah chapter 6, where God puts forth a question to Isaiah. And Isaiah says, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah responds and said, Then I said, Here am I, send me. I'm just wondering who is here this morning that hears what I'm saying, that God is speaking to your heart. And you're saying, I'm willing, Pastor, I'm willing. I hear the Holy Spirit speaking to me. And I feel that prompting inside. I'm going to take that step out. I'm going to stand up and I'm going to say, Lord, I'm willing. This is the year that I'm willing. God, touch my heart in such a way that God, your purpose and your passion, they consume me. That God, it, I see things differently. I see things as you see things. I hear things as you hear them. I feel as you feel, Lord God. Who is willing to accept that challenge from the Lord today? And if that is you, I'm just going to ask you boldly just to stand right where you're at and understand that as you do so, God is going to be taking note. The Holy Spirit keeps good records and He's going to be taking notes. And He's asking, who will go for us? Who will speak for me? Whose heart can I show myself strongly to support? Father, you see all across this auditorium, the dozens of people who are standing. God, you know their heart. You know where they are right now. You know where they've been. You know where they've been hurt. You, you know where they've been discouraged. You, you know everything about us. You know us better than we know ourselves. And God, when we get to that place, oftentimes that's the breaking point. That's the moment when we think, I can't go on. God says, that's why you need me. You need to yield to me and let me do what I've designed you to do, what I've called you to do for this day and for this hour. Some of you came this morning not even know why you're here. You, you came because somebody, somebody invited you or you saw something on the internet or whatever. I don't know. And there may be some who are watching by way of the internet this morning. And you're thinking, yeah, but I'm not there. But God is right where you are right now. 
And he sees you standing. I don't care if you're standing in your living room, your bedroom, or out sitting in your car, or wherever you're listening to this. God sees the heart. He's not looking on the exterior. He's looking on the interior. He's looking at the heart. And he's saying, there's a heart that's yielded to me. There's a heart that's yielded to me. There's one. God's, listen. Some of you think, well, I'm too old. I, I, I've served my time. I've done my duty. Can I tell you, you're not retired. You just need to be refired with the Holy Ghost. Because God has a purpose and a plan. Listen, the biblical process is that the older men teach the younger men. And the older women teach the younger women. We need to pass the baton on to those that are coming behind us. Not, and, and not like, you can have it if you can get it out of my hand. No, we need to say, come on. Come on, young person. Let me hand you what God has given me. And let me hand it off to you. And God will deal with them in their own way. I'm just telling you. He's ready. He's looking for you. Are you ready? Right where you're at. Right where you're at. I want you to talk to the Lord. Tell him. I surrender everything, God. I surrender my dreams, my plans, my goals, my ambitions, everything. God, I recognize that if you're not in it, it's not worth it. God, whatever it is, God, your calling is out there. The Holy Spirit is tapping people even now. He's tapping them. He's laying his hands. He's calling them. And God, you are birthing inside of them. Some of them have already had ideas. They've had dreams. They've had some things they've, they've thought about. They've prayed coming into this new year. And an idea or thought's been implanted by your spirit in them. But they, they're like, I don't know how that will come to pass. God, the first step is, is letting you have total control. Yielding everything to you. That our hearts be broken by your spirit broken for a good reason to dislocate us that we might be reconnected with you right now Lord Holy Spirit right now come on people right where you're at you talk to the Lord talk to him right now talk to him right now Jesus.
listen to me. I want to tell you something. Some of you are thinking, well, I don't know what God wants. I don't know what he wants me to do. Let me help you. Are you in his word daily? Are you taking time to be quiet and pray and to listen? Are you in fellowship with believers? Or are you in fellowship with those who dishonor God? Can I tell you those small steps are the first steps? Because you're not going to do something great for God if you're not in His Word. Or, or not spending time with Him in prayer. Or meditation and quiet time with Him. You're not going to do anything great for God separated from the body of Christ of which he's the head. You take those small steps and you begin to do that and the word gets inside of you and the word begins to transform you and the Holy Spirit begins to bring about change and when God begins to do that, then he'll begin to show you things. But it's got to start somewhere. And for many of God's people, that's where it's at. So I already read 10 minutes a day. Read 20. I already pray five minutes a day. Pray 10. I'm just telling you. It's the small steps. Don't overlook the small steps. And then God gets a hold of your heart. Heavenly Father. We surrender everything to you and we give you praise because God you are so mighty there's no words to convey the greatness of who you are and the intent that you you desire to do and show yourself through us why should you be concerned of showing yourself through us because that's what you've chosen to do. That you would receive all the glory for it, God. God, I thank you for these people today. I thank you for those who are watching. Thank you for those who will be coming. God, you're moving. You're drawing people. By your spirit, Lord, you're drawing people and we give you praise for that. Sing it one more time. I surrender. And I surrender all to you, Lord, all to you. And I surrender all to you. Father, I just pray the favor of the Lord to rest upon your people as they leave this place. I pray for the peace of God to rule and govern their hearts. 
I pray that the Word of God would enlighten their path and that the peace it rules, it governs. Father, for those who are in a place of having to make decisions, that peace will rule in their heart with the proper decision. I thank you for the visions and dreams that you're birthing even now in the hearts of your people. Not just in this place, but I believe that word is for all of the Acadiana area. All the people out there who are crying out to you, God, there's something taking place. The hand of the Lord is moving and touching and calling people. Father, we, we give you the glory for it because you are worthy of it all. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you need prayer for any specific need, please come forward, myself and some others. We will pray with you and agree with you because the Bible says there is power and agreement. God bless you.
Oh. 